Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, listeners and subscribers to the War Horse Podcast, episode 18. Early January, I'm coming to you as always from the War Horse, surrounded by my weapons, supplies, snacks, fully loaded, fully fueled up, and ready to move at a moment's notice. I have for you tonight a real packed episode. And for the ninth episode in a row, we're working with this theme of practicality, placing a limit on my propensity for rambling and uh, sharing uh, whatever I feel qualified to share, going to touch on the warrior's way really quick. We've got some outstanding criminal of purpose discussion. Another substantial unit of commentary on fatherhood and the manor bund, a corollary discussion slash admission, confession, narrative related to the criminal of purpose and my time spent in Eugene, Oregon. Several other small units of practicality, a mini review, mini book review, and um, an intelligence report on um, what do we call it mainstream media happenings the general advance of the cryptocracy that might be a good place to start because it's quick and um it's probably on your mind already, right? So, one takeaway from this moment right now, where you're seeing simultaneously the walls between believers and non-believers of of, you know, again, the mainstream narrative. While you would think this would be a time for them to crumble, it seems to me that what is really on display here is Hoffman's revelation of the method in maybe the most stark terms it's ever presented itself. 
which it, that fact, if, if it's true, may also lead us to some further supposition. There's been this thing like um, the fall of the expert bandied about for some time. It seemed to arise out of the internet because now you can, you know, trade your own stocks. You can have your own business. You can make your own flyers. You can make phone calls. You can do all sorts of things that, as well, you can learn all sorts of things. But the truth is that the quote expert, the certified licensed expert, as opposed here, we need to draw a careful distinction, I think, between the genuine expert who is so expert he requires no license, his reputation, his history precedes him and carries much more weight. And the introduction of these licenses, yes, a method to tax and keep tabs on and control everyone who bought into that and to build out the, this greater system, um, you know, the consumer system that itself is apparently starting to it, it's, you know, it's going away. They, the consumer was used long enough to advance technology um, probably beyond what we're, we, the, the laity, the chattel, are aware of, but maybe not too far beyond that. So, the consumer is, is going by the wayside. And with him, it, you would think, right, would go the experts. Whether that's due merely to ideological differences, i.e. the Rogan, Malone versus the so-called liberal media. Whether that's just yet another government institution plainly showing its ass and yet you have an enormous block of citizenry to whom any of these quote revelations which we know uh, you know 4chan was hip to this shit two years ago almost and in many cases precisely the origins of the plague the financial ties Ties to the 
to various intelligence agencies. <clears throat> Ties to the cryptocracy. And evidence, or at least the ability to suss out a dovetailing with the ongoing trend. So we really have a state of cognitive dissonance and psychological breakdown between families, between partners, between co-workers, um, neighbors, states, And it's all, it's always from our point of view, not always, but in the way that entities online, certain cliques seek to shore up what they view as their audiences um, with ideas like no black pilling or we're going to make it. You know, this is all fine, but it's done tongue-in-cheek. Um, and sometimes I'm sure, based on emotion of that particular evening, that particular tweet, there's, you know, genuine feeling behind it. It would seem to me that beyond these individual, unknown, literally anonymous voices here or there, and their um, the kind of trailing diminutive threads of their followers. Few, um, very few are noticing this revelation of the method once again on on prime display and uh, recall Hoffman's definition here of the revelation of the method is essentially that when the population views one incredible incredulous event um, as evidence further of their weakness, their inability to defend themselves or to organize or to do anything along these sorts. What they tend to do from there is quietly turn inward and away from their family their neighbors. Um, hopefully this doesn't happen partner to partner, but you do see stories of that. And of course, that's just more, more win for the cryptocracy if it does go down that way. But really what I believe the goal is 
is not to present evidence so that Rand Paul can grill Fauci, rat fink fuckface Fauci, or anything along these sorts. Nothing will be done. Nobody will go to jail. No uh, great committee will assemble to dismantle this conspiracy. No Jim Garrison will rise to pursue to the ends of the earth and against all bureaucratic odds. What will happen, most likely, is that it will be rolled over into the next phase, the next subchapter of the ongoing descent of the civilization. And as that new facet of the emergency presents itself, most people will have to turn their attention to it and scramble to survive. And again, my guess is likely financial, some, some real substantial uh, They always have to balance it between the reports, quarterly reports, annual reports of constant, ever-loving progress. Uh, however, they have so many tricks and so few people have, have the kind of technical expertise to dismantle this. And then again, down the line, so few people have an interest in listening to somebody like Denninger or whoever who can do that for you. So the result will be once again this huge mass in the middle of herd and we few the remnant will be hopefully riding high on the outskirts hopefully building our networks and sending scouts forward to locate secure, cunningly devised, independent, well-fortified and well-stocked islands, metaphorical islands. Moving back to this idea, though, of the fall of experts. Part of, you're seeing this in lots of, it's not just Fauci or whatever, but oftentimes these trends will be punctuated by something for the history books almost. Like, you know, the complete uselessness and corruption behind the CDC, NIH, what have you. And it's simple, it's obvious, because as, as the experts fall, 
the internet ha has existed forever, presumably will continue to exist with its main problem that was identified again way back in the 90s as a filtering issue. Google and others emerged out as the solution with the CIA funding and whatnot, but it wasn't a solution. It was a control mechanism. And um, as a guy, I guess a guy like Malone is sort of bisected, you know, like torn down the middle. Because how does, how does he feel about it? He seems very torn up about it. He seems very disenchanted with his life's work. Um, and this, the counterpoint to this, again, is Rand Paul. This guy who, for the love of God, your father is Ron fucking Paul. I mean... Your entire career is based off of his political career. Granted, I believe Rand Paul is a doctor as well. So your political career, though, while interesting, and while it has presented us, the viewer, sitting back on the couch, with quite a few uh, exciting episodes... How does this guy not ever turn the corner? Is that the big plan? To, to hold all this stuff close to the chest? Really, for real, for real this time, make a run for president? And then dismantle the IRS, dismantle the CDC, dismantle the Department of Education? I don't know. He seems to present this counterpoint, though, that as the viewer, you, you, you're begging him, just take the fucking gloves off, man. He's the guy who's not divided, you know. He has this air of righteous persecutor, however... that persecution doesn't come. It's just simply more theater. So, setting the tone, let us jump around in the usual warhorse fashion. And go directly to a bit of commentary related to, I believe it was last episode, where we discussed this kind of um, a typical phase that folks move through as the collapsing collapse, super collapse, manifold opportunities for collapse, narrative, meta-narrative, unfolds in reality and in their 
minds as they come to grips with the ongoing need to let go of everything that they were trained to hold on to, trained to believe in, trained to strive for, sacrifice for, so many um, hundreds of millions, billions perhaps, of folks will never really make much progress on, on this. But those who are making progress, um, in the way that they inevitably move through loan operator sort of stuff, defending the family sort of stuff, stocking food, stocking water, um, to that confrontation with the inevitable need for a warband, tribe, manorbund, a community. There is another option that presents as kind of like opting out of society or opting in hard for, I suppose, normative political maneuvers, not necessarily um, what's really normal in politics, like um, waging quiet wars um, here, there, and everywhere against your own population, but real normie shit like running for office, run locally, you know, take over local institutions, infiltrate the institutions. Don't get me wrong. I, I entertain fantasies of deeply embedded, hardcore criminal purpose moles infiltrating over the last decade, 15 years, and hanging on for dear life taking the 5th, 6th, 15th booster, attending their 800th, 800th um, diversity and LGBTQ sensitivity training um, at Ranger Battalion or wherever, and just quietly biding their time for that day when they just get to roll up the gates on the armory or roll through the gates uh, with a truckload of that armory or hitting a few buttons and releasing massive tranches of um, encrypted and totally destructive information on elites, politicians, celebrities, and experts. I entertain fantasies that these guys you know, will show up to help us. And maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Typically, the quote, uh, there's this character like the super rational, the more rational than rational 
logical um, collapse expert who has not lived through a collapse, but who views systems in a way that normal people do not and understands that something like local government will be, you know, your best bet. I, I know that there are cultural differences between America and Mexico. I'm aware of this fact. I have visited Mexico and I have lived in America. And I think I'm on record as stating, you know, I think Mexico is about one of the best kind of models for our near and intermediate future. A few good things about what they have going on down there. Um, I think that it's a good-sized country. So your average campesino peasant is not going to load up the 1968 Ford with a bunch of his buddies who are illiterate and drive into Mexico City to um, proposition or petition you know, federal politicians, agencies, what have you. My understanding is that the regional, they don't have, you know, anything like FEMA or some sort of coordinating entity between local and federal. They just have the understanding that you cannot trust the local cops, that oftentimes people who show up dressed as local cops are actually cartel or just, you know, before we called them cartels, they were just gangsters. Or if they show up and they're dressed as federales um, or police, they may actually hold those positions and simultaneously hold positions of sway within cartel organizations. So suffice to say, I'm not real convinced on the idea that taking over local government, you can be the guy, right? If your goals are to be Um, whether you want to just move right past, uh, you know, like decent human being or right to real politic warlord is your call. But it's not, it's not my angle at all. And I'm sure that it I'm sure, one, that it's not nearly as common as its proponents would like it to be. I'm also quite certain that it's not going to be nearly as effective as its proponents seem to be so sure it will be. I, I don't sense that at all. 
So you have the other idea, opting out, where you're going to take charge of your, your sovereignty, your food, your fuel, your clothing, your home or plot of land. You're going to come up with um, a devious, complicated plan to minimize your taxes. You're going to go off-grid with your medical, your emotional support, insofar as any exists <laughs> at this point. Well, here again, it's... Um, there's a lot of truth to this side. And I would be more a proponent um, of the opting out idea. Do I want to know some folks who um, hold those positions local to me? Sure. But what about when re-election comes and the cartel uh, down, the, down the road pulls one trick of a million possible tricks to insert their guy in who's, you know, cousin to the chief down the road and nobody knew this or well we knew this but we loved him anyway what have you it's going to be a cluster fuck either way I think a lot of times about <clears throat> I don't think too deeply on it to be honest but I observe it this fourth turning idea that my particular generation is nomadic and the generation after me is the heroes. There are two other categories, I believe, in this fourth turning model. I'm sure subscribers are familiar with it. Listeners, if you're curious, just Google it up. The evidence for it really doesn't go back that far, in my opinion. And it seems a little unsubstantiated. So I think the reason that I, it occurs to me so much is that this one piece seems to be true, that my generation would be nomadic. But it's not exactly true. Most of my best friends are located in the precise spot that they've been in doing the exact same things that they've been doing for 15, 20 years. Personally, I have chosen this road, this nomadic existence i think because it it it's a personal sort of predilection issue neither here nor there to be honest but in terms of this opting out idea we have we have one one very trustworthy 
conception buried in the idea of opting out. And it seems to me to be all tied up in a very messy, nasty, intractable manner with uh, notions of community, manor bund, alternative structures, what have you. So if I try and if I attempt to to pull this idea a little bit, tease like one of these 25 threads out. It brings us back, I think, to attention and the power of familiarizing yourself with what the hell I'm talking about, most likely. If you don't have an inner monologue and you've made it this far in this podcast, I'd be astounded, but you likely do. And as a guy who's spent a lot of time in his own mind and um, looking at it from a lot of different angles, both chemical and otherwise, the inner monologue itself is an attention now I'm speaking in terms of your your standard issue American human um, as best they say that you know at orders of magnitude of intelligence you can't really communicate up or down so perhaps this explains the um, the limited uh, you know listenership that we've garnered thus far but I I don't know you know it seems possible to communicate this idea that you have your inner dialogue. Half, half of it being pertinent, and by pertinent I mean like conscious, consciously related to and integrated with your values, beliefs, dreams, goals, integrated to say that you have half of it there would be ascended master level, I would think. So what we're probably dealing with is in terms of this ongoing degradation, the widening pit that we're sliding into, both as a species and as a nation, as a civilization, If there is a way to um, work against this and, quote, opt out, it's going to be in opting out of the diversity of horseshit that flies through your own mind on pretty much full auto repeat performance every waking minute of our lives. We have 
I think, you know, many people are different. Um, like they sort of adhere to these calendrical, like similar to what we just came out of, right? You have this holiday break. Most people want to make a beast of themselves and then they struggle and slog to return to that homeostasis where they're just kind of moving downward or moving laterally or telling themselves they're moving, it's ascending out of this pit slightly, but mostly not, certainly not. There's almost like a corollary to um, our moral beings with, with inflation, you know, it's like every year, the longer you put this stuff off, the harder it's going to be to balance the books, you know, within yourself, the harder it's going to be to get back to some state of fitness, spiritual, physical, mental. It's an extremely practical thing to do if you can do it. And so a lot of this verbiage here is to kind of suggest that, well, I mean, there's a reason why they're, you know, masters are called the adepts and the rest of everybody is called the fucking rest of everybody. my best guess is this has to do with this fact of your multiplicities. How many different points of view do you already have within you? How much control do we really have over that? I couldn't say. I couldn't say if it's inborn or if whatever is inborn is then influenced by your mother and father or your brother. How much of this is in the sense of diabolical meaning to disperse how much of this fragmentation occurring presenting itself as this jibber jabber constant low grade shit talk you hear its term sometimes in yoga circles uh, the monkey mind I think this is idiotic so much of this sort of shit is just like, we're not fucking third graders, dude. Monkey mind. Shut off your monkey mind. Not nearly severe enough prescription with that term. So the retention of your Let's not use that. Let's not rhyme retention and attention. Let's say the clawing back of your attention, your ability to attend, begins, as always, with the interior. And how do you do this? You do it through meditation. How do you really meditate? You meditate through breath work. How do you sustain a meditation or breathwork practice? You change it up. You build a habit and you break it. You consciously, you consciously break it. You may need to put yourself on a schedule. 
but it likely will not work. This old fucker just walked up picking out this giant booger from his nose. Otherwise presenting himself as very respectable, having just consumed the fresh Mexican offerings of fresh Mexican restaurant. So maybe maybe a personal example will help. I will notice myself, um, even though I've noticed this for 10 years or more, I don't know how long, and, and probably longer than that, because when you first get your concealed carry license, that's probably when I noticed it, so 20 years ago. You are admonished successfully, in my case, and hopefully most cases, to cease your shit-talking if you if you have a habit of shit talking immediately because any confrontation you find yourself in from here on out will now be an armed confrontation which will mean legal repercussions so road rage and the like are a major no-go as well as just being you know stupid beside the fact so i have noticed over these many years that I can almost not help myself but insult and demean every single driver who does not do exactly what I want them to do or any the worst, the ones that I, I can control most of that at this point. It will slide up onto, it'll, become, it'll get on deck pass, just keep focused, you know, usually, this is why I've said before that driving, in my opinion, is prime time to do breath work. I have to turn the podcast or the audiobook or the whatever off. I cannot speak to anybody. You know this division in your attention where you're driving, but your mind is wandering. So instead of allowing your mind to wander... Half the attention is still going towards driving, and the other half is going towards, you know, your box count. In for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. In for four, hold, etc., etc. The urgency of the road, it's the demands of the road, like the freeway, um, are such that I can just balance these two things very effectively. I can get fantastic, outstanding sessions in when driving. So back to this point... Um, you know, well, we'll make the point by saying that when doing breath work, no matter what anybody does, I mean, someone could throw their spouse out the fucking window and I could hit them and keep cruising. Um, however, without that, these demands of the road, you know, the reality of lives being on the line, the reality that even if it's in the 
recesses of your mind that this is likely the most dangerous thing you're going to do all week. And even though you're probably pretty good at it, you can do it on autopilot almost, makes no difference. Split seconds having, you know, split second decisions and choices by other people over whom you have zero control, they're going to affect you. This is just the fact. And to jump quickly over to the warrior's way, here's, you know, an instructive moment to say, <clears throat> here's a very practical context in which you can understand this idea, Castaneda's idea of the millimeter of opportunity, which I have conflated this consciously, purposely with Viktor Frankl's Venn diagram. You know, between stimulus and response, you have the ability to make a choice. OODA loop, somewhat similar. Update on the, uh, my, my boy is now still OODA, OODA, but he's added a few variations that are hilarious and endearing. Um, so two detours back. The facts are the facts on the road. And so it's no wonder that, you know, your, your fear or fight or flight baseline is like quivering and ready to seize this millimeter of opportunity, which ironically, the more that trauma loop kicks in, the more heat, if you will, starts to rise. And it's not to say that, you know, lukewarm is the goal. It's something more like a razor's edge balance between the two. So maybe you do want heat, but you want just as much cold. Anyway, perhaps, you know, my metaphorical skills uh, fail us at this juncture. So moving on, we'll, we'll finish this point to say, if perhaps, you know, perchance, I am just got out of a, a monster sesh of breath work and um, I'm hauling ass on the I-10 doing 80 in these little tiny lanes and all of the myriad jackass, completely retarded individuals in their vehicles are doing their thing. Um, if I'm not just coming out of a very solid baseline, my reaction is always just to insult these people. Fucking jackass, you stupid fucking retard, you know. And um, it's not, there's not really a moral issue here. It's Maybe there is, you know, there, there likely is, but that's not so much the cons my concern as I'm ob observing this behavior in myself, nor is it the point, um, you know, of the little piece of value here I'm trying to pass on. The point is to say that this mindlessness, as the Buddhists 
might term it. Seems to exist in a kind of reservoir. It's not as if over the years that reservoir drains and then becomes this garden of beautiful thoughts. Likely, this is in part due to the fact that we don't and I do not control the entirety or even a small shred of, you know, the public context. And yet I am responsible for a lot of these outcomes. I am faced already, as you are, with the possibility of anarcho-tyranny being the official response to whatever choices I make. And, you know, weaving that back to Mexico, in some ways, the freedom afforded a system where you can just buy people off and move on is much, much preferable to the illusion that we have now. Um, an illusion that there are sane, caring, highly trained and capable individuals just waiting, you know, to be dispatched when we need them. So in terms of opting out, the first place to opt out, in my opinion, is from absolutely everything that fragments and distorts, sucks away and consumes your attention. Why? Well, for many obvious reasons, which we've spoken of for 17 or 20 odd previous episodes and but more to the point tonight to make a very fine point tonight the opting out begins at you know the zero degree of your responsibility, which is for the shit going on in your mind. As I said about this reservoir, it's not as if weird, terrible, shitty, stupid, weak, useless thoughts are not going to cross through the viewfinder of your mind's eye at maybe any point, maybe the Ascended Master, presumably, and is this because, you know, we're winding up to a couple of questions. Is this because we do have distributed consciousness? The sort of which Rupert Sheldrake, Oxford scholar, has um, put forth for many years. I'm a big fan of his. Excuse me while I reach for some tobacco reinforcements, a re-up of my supply. Is it that our minds are actually receivers and not 
merely mechanistic material, you know, convoluted globs of fat in which synaptic material memory is stored. I think you can guess which way I'm leaning. Um, and perhaps this goes some distance, right, to explain why this, this thing called a, like this seemingly a reservoir of, as you know, the yoga micro covens would term it, negativity. And, you know, in these yoga micro covens, to take an example at hand, the creation of a clique um, and a culture um, is, is huge. And I really think there is something. You could say it's the same in a squad or the team, what have you, the manor bend, where... You know, there's all this sort of happy shit about positive vibes and culture. Perhaps it's not so much that it drag, you know, the exterior material human being is dragging us down so much or dragging the team down so much as it is the, the near resonances of you know, toxic people or whatever you want to call them, losers, black pills, um, sociopaths, these resonances are going to, if you will, you know, uh, refill this reservoir. So whether this is due in part to our own reflection of ourselves outwards into them, or if it's more due in part to like, this idea that your thoughts are not your own entirely. The multiplicities, in my opinion, begin to play a huge role when you are surrounded by, you know, hostels. Um, maybe your coworkers are all shitbags, or maybe they're just really organized against you. And so you're forced to interact with them because you work with them. And so you're forced to become of two minds or maybe four minds about how to operate in that type of environment. Many people cannot do this. They become emotional themselves. They melt down. On it goes. Whatever the case, whatever the case in all of this, you know, this minor speculation that we've just engaged in, the purely depressing and um, dead-end road of the mechanical model. Either way, you still have this option that must be yanked. You know, you must seize this fucking thing back. What is it? It's the mold. It, you know, we're, we're right back where we started in this podcast. And this is where we will remain. This is where you, should you choose to ignore this, or me, should I choose to let it slide, will remain. You can become the greatest warfighter of all time. You can read 
all of the books. You can do whatever you want, but the mold is a fact. And the mold to me is the flip side of the warrior's way. And this is the beginning of the sorting process. This is the beginning of something like a code internalized so hard that observation of this physical person in front of me and some examination of how he operates and conducts himself in a group or mano a mano, a few poignant questions, pointed questions, excuse me, will will reveal, you know, this person's location on the way. Totally impossible to do if you've not already entirely opted out. Much of this may feel like repetition, and that's to the good. It's also offered up here tonight to to wind us around and begin to weave back this practicality um, with the metaphysical, the esoteric survivalism for which we are famous. So before we close down the first hour and shut out the the free the free listeners I want to offer them a piece of some really important stuff um and then we'll retain some and move over to subscribers but to do this okay so We've built up this idea, I think, of the attention. If you've meditated and you've had the experience of overcoming the sort of awkward, when you start to do anything new, right, you, you may sense some anxiety or awkwardness or what have you. Well, everybody knows that until you get over that, you haven't done, you haven't even done the thing. So to do the thing, you need to do it long enough so you're almost becoming a little bored with it. And at this point, the, the chatter, the inattention, all of these open doorways, these portals to the outside world, all of the sudden pop and if you can briefly note the area that they're in, the flavor, the tone, is it sarcasm? Is it fatalism? Is it defeatism? Is it self-criticism? Is it resentment? Is it suicidal ideation? Whatever it is, 
is it just stupid, random info bits emerging for no apparent reason at all? I think that a lot of what microcoven types are referring to as the monkey mind is actually that. Is it song lyrics? All of these things relate to the trauma loop. All of these things relate to the mold insofar as it's, it's building up the binds of the mold. As long as this stuff perseverates and is not noted, you're not going anywhere. Once it's noted, you can direct your attention either in your meditation or at a later time if you've noted it and you have the memory to recall, which you, you do, but you may not have developed it to this point. And a cold examination in this, you know how Jordan Peterson will refer to this, what is his idea? Like, ask yourself what you should be doing and the answer will come to you immediately. Well, if it's you haven't done your homework, maybe that's fucking true, Jordan. But if we're playing the Masters game and we've been playing it long before you ever showed up to share, you know, the idea of the... um the set of all possible games, as you termed it. Well, it's not always immediately. Oh, my my Damon just shot to the front and just uh, coughed the answer out. I've been working my Damon so hard for so many years, and the, the answers to some of these questions are so complex that that little winged bunny does... He doesn't always want to show up right when I want him to show up. So he may for you, though. But in any event, Jordan Peterson and my obsession with this winged bunny character, my Damon, you know, aside, um, noting at a later time is usually what I do. I will note it in the meditation and then reflect on it again. It's, it is almost like Jordan's right insofar as you can say, or excuse me, Dr. Peterson is right, insofar as you will know like what the source of this negativity or this chatter, um, sometimes it's just plainly obvious. Like it came from television because you were watching television. Well, stop watching fucking television for Christ's sake. Um, or... You know, it came from my spouse because she's concerned about X, Y, and Z. Okay. Pardon me, but perhaps these are, you know, it's not like every single thought that shoots through there is utterly useless. And if you are somewhat, you know, the, the emotional and reasoning centers are somewhat integrated, then it's actually more likely that your daemon there is, is functioning and he's sending out missives and hoping in whatever language he's using that you're going to take note. Like maybe this is an important thing that you do need to attend to. Those are fine. And in fact, that's information that you can use, right? You can, within the multiplicities of yourself, you have the option to refine that portal. That is obviously a portal that we want to spend more time with that we want to beautify, cultivate. And we want to reconfigure that signal-to-noise ratio. 
we want the signal, of course. And the noise is the goal of the cryptocracy. So to swing this back to the beginning, the real point of the revelation of the method of 4chan knowing two years ago exactly down to the fucking detail what is going on. But all of a sudden, Glenn Greenwald or, you know, some fucking half-homo Republican pundit has the answer. Where did he get it? Who fucking knows? But 4chan had it two years ago. And this alone is enough. These facts, these just disparate facts, put them on the desk, stare at them long enough with no answers, and you'll be driven mad. For most of us, whatever stage you're at, you know, your level of detachment, uh, you know, which kind of should go without saying, hand in hand with this opting out concept, um... your level of detachment towards the whole psychodrama that's un, that's being unfolded for you on the television, in the movies, in all of the mainstream fucking idiot books, all over the internet now that the damn thing is, I mean, entirely controlled and patrolled and censored. And even that controlling, patrolling and censored feature is being rolled up into the psychodrama. Um, insofar as we can detach from this and not affect livelihoods and whatnot, it's just, it's just an absolute, a must. And until we can, I mean, fuck, I would go back to forums, just plain text, write it out, read the other guy's response, spend hours and hours and hours doing this with no ads and fuck social media. Have your little website, throw it up in your bio, same deal. Who cares? Clearly, this would not serve the attention-devouring algorithms and the attention-devouring aims of the cryptocracy. Just wouldn't do. We've refined it to its... It's it's an art, you know? We're simply siphoning the the psychic lifeblood from, I think, what is it, 2 billion people on social media. And then we're harnessing that into, you know, the diabolical, demonic power of the Hadron Collider. I don't know. I, I'm joking. But am I joking? Who fucking knows at this point? What we, what I do, and what I hope will translate here as, as some value is, I quit avoiding it and I schedule it into my day that I will meditate that I will do breath work that I will do movement stuff that I will train physically for endurance and strength I don't always get a chance to do much with my weapons other than fondle them each day in an ideal world you know that would be whatever two to four hours of of basically a life of nothing but training that would be sort of my ideal, which I think I've said before, but it's true. That's what I would do. I would include my family in it. I would include travel in it. I would include writing in it. But uh, there are many hours in the day, as you know. And the issue is how many of those hours 
I'm going to say are going to get flushed. But what is not always readily apparent is that maybe you only spend two hours on social media, but maybe you're spending six or seven or nine hours still being influenced by narratives that have nothing to do with your inherent value or the inherent value of your family. They have nothing to do. They might tangentially relate to your goals, you know, sure speaking specifically here of both the you know drifting wandering waiting aspect of fragmented and uh, lost attention as all of this all of the daemon's bandwidth that he's back there churning out in your subconscious it makes it incredibly difficult for him when you're when he is having to sort huge haystacks to look for the needle of value of truth of your real belief of what you really feel strongly for so go back about 6 episodes or about 4 episodes maybe i forget the number where we discussed this idea and we're going, to, we're going to touch on it again and close this part out, this segment out. Nobody in, at least a few years ago, nobody would really go on record with a conclusive answer as to what a feeling is. Anybody who tells you that this is entirely physical, run the other way. Entirely material, run the other way. Check out Rupert Sheldrake for one. And go ahead, you know, pilfer. I feel like I pilfer the scientific community for their their data, their observations. And I just jettison, you know, how they insert it into some pre-existing mechanistic narrative. And I move it right over to the Holy Spirit um, or whatever is appropriate, right? The point is that in the 70s, we had this explosion, you know, um, this whole concept. There are many, many angles to it, many threads, many books were written about, you know, the the disaffected or the the male who is dissociated from his feelings, can't express his feelings, etc. And then you had, of course, the the kind of Homer Simpson-like backlash, well, I don't really know, and the boomer thing really just played right into its hands. But to me, this was one of these fragmenting narratives, because what you, what ultimately resulted from it was the worst of all possible worlds. You have genuinely interior in terms of their interiority or their mentality you have children you have men grown fucking men 50 40 30 25 what have you that are absolute children on the inside in terms of their values beliefs and certainly in terms of this pivot point crucial place where their feelings whatever these are meet with their patterns of behavior. 
what they do in the world. And juxtapose this to the progress of feminism at a very crucial time. You know, you could write a fucking book on that juxtaposition alone. Um, We're moving quick here because we have to. So get with it and quit this idea that you don't have feelings. The truth of the matter is that's all you have. That's the most trust. That's the only thing that you can trust. And right now, if you're dissociated from it or you feel like, you know, this is fag talk or this is kind of mushy, you're missing the point. And that was what they wanted. They wanted Homer Simpson. And then they wanted the next version of Homer Simpson, the Tilval Hall, you know, fucking affliction, monster truck, retard. They wanted him to to miss that too. So you're not going to miss it. I don't think that if you fight a lifelong battle of consciousness, of war, that on your death grounds, let's say, rather than bed, you are going to have this opening up of eternity and it's going to be filled with um, theoretical and logical conjectures, you know, confirmation of biases, what have you. I think that what you're going to have is an opening of a portal to a place where the super rational meets this purely intuitive, emotional divide. And that's you know, maybe the, the quintessential uh, epiphany, herophany, what have you. But I don't think that we're going to get there or seize that moment, that millimeter of opportunity, as Castaneda terms it, or in Frankel's terms, make the choice to face all that, like to face something that would sound like some new beautiful bird language sung by angels, but in terms of its tactile qualities... God only knows in terms of its, um, you know, like, what does your body feel like? Who knows? But it's not an option to approach life and death, family, fatherhood, and war, guerrilla warfare, the grinding out of a high civilization before your very eyes, And to have this information that was just given to you for free in the last hour leading up to this point, it's not an option because you may not have the morphine that the boomers have. You may not have the bed that even our grandparents had. And the truth is, why won't you have those? Because you never had those. Four generations had neither. Four generations uh, ahead may have neither. But this all points, all vectors are moving towards a confluence of exchanging comfort for meaning. And it's my opinion, my observations, my daemons, uh, 
calculations tell me that we are at the place where the vicious and violent seizure of our own attention is the most primary consideration right now because there are levels of competence and creation available to you and I right now uh, you know that would seem sublime in many moments but they're instantly accessible even with the power of the mold and the power of the cryptocracy and all the other black pills the power of the morphic resonance context you know which is just fresh Mexican food dental care do your taxes at H&R Block here do you have a wife you need a better job even within this chitter chatter absolute blathering mindless society of obese turds who don't can't even be perturbed to give a shit about their own offspring even within that sublime levels of attention are available to you with not really uh, that great of a fucking cost all right so <clears throat> pardon me what I want you to do is flood Brian McKenzie's account with hits so that he is forced to listen to this fucking podcast and he will <clears throat> give me a scholarship to his breathwork seminar. Otherwise, I'm never going to go. I'm joking, of course. Instead of that, what you can do is go to goldengoatguild.net, check out the t-shirts, fantastic designs, buy yourself some stickers. If you've not read King of Dogs, you are wrong, sir. And I implore you to pick up a copy, leave a five-star review, because that's all that's allowed. And, you know, DM me with your experience. That's really meaningful to me. You can uh, follow on Instagram if you've not already. That helps as well. Like, comment, and subscribe. All of the usual chitter chatter blather for you here at the end but um my goal as i've said with this podcast and my other ventures are to build multiple viable revenue streams as a model for survival so there's another practical tip for survivalists out there do not put all your eggs in one basket diversify small medium large if you can and when one stream takes a hit, scale back, dial down, rely on the others, etc. It's pretty obvious. So that's my goal, and your support in um, realizing that goal is greatly appreciated. And I do appreciate as well your attention. In the subscribers, subscribers hour, excuse me, um, in the subscribers hour segment, that's what I was trying to say. In the subscriber segment, my goal will be to go a bit deeper on this area where we're at right now. Uh, throw out some practical stuff you can do immediately and probably hit again this idea of like, you saw the bright light in the portal, what did it say? 
make a mental note of where it is, reflect later, what is the source of that? Because this is, you know, when people say you have to do the work, like the work of healing yourself or integrating yourself or walking the warrior's wear, what the fuck ever they're talking about. Here's an example of what the work looks like. As well, we're going to get to this uh, fatherhood manner bund. I think a very exciting and inter- interesting bit. And then we're going to cover the criminal of purpose. So you should subscribe too if you have not. Go over to Patreon, Golden, Guild, Golden Goat Guild, uh, or find us on Instagram and you can click through that way. Definitely subscribe. Thank you very much. Subscribers, hold on. I will be right back.